What's going on, guys? This is Scott. I am sick, if you can't tell by my voice. Last night when we recorded, I didn't realize how terrible it was. My voice, not the podcast. The podcast is awesome and informative and fun because Ryan McDowell is an awesome commissioner. There are a few things that we do need, though. Maybe you can help us out. We need an intro and outro for our podcast. I put some free stuff up there for music. But we can't use the Mission Impossible theme. Obviously, it's copyrighted, and we don't want to get sued. Uh, another thing, if you have any comments about tonight's episode, anything we say, if you have questions, maybe if you have commissioner stories, email commissionpod at gmail.com, and we will get back to you. Also, rate and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars. I know it's only one episode, but dude, that would really help, and it'd be really, really cool, and we would really, really appreciate it. Other than that, I hope you just enjoy the show. How's it going, guys? This is Scott Fish. I'm here with Commissioner Legend himself, Ryan McDowell, and this is the very first episode of Commissioner Impossible. We are going to talk about our leagues, your leagues. We're going to answer questions. We're going to tell commissioner stories. We're going to talk about settings. We have a lot of stuff we're going to do, uh, and there's been a lot of outpouring of support and interest in this, so here we go. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get this started Scott, you and I have so many conversations, you know, through through Voxer and email and everything else about exactly what we're going to be talking about on this show, about crazy league ideas, about situations we run into as commissioners. Yeah, and we just, we just thought it would be uh, maybe a good idea to share some of those ideas, some of those conversations with people out there. So I'm excited to get started. Hopefully our audience enjoys it as well. I, th- I think they will. I think that there are a lot of people listening who have played in their dynasty leagues for a long time and they want, they want to spice it up. They want to learn maybe tricks that we have to making a league run well. Maybe they want to bring some settings or some new rules to their leagues. So I think the the best way to get started is just talk about us, how we got started commissioning, our basic commissioning philosophy. So Ryan, how did you get started? How long have you been a commissioner? Let's see, I guess I've been a dynasty commissioner for eh, probably about 12 years now. I had actually started playing fantasy football in a dynasty league. Uh, I didn't start with redraft, so I know that's that's already kind of an uncommon way to get started. You know, that's how I started too. I maybe maybe there's something there. <laughs> All right, that's that's good to know. So I had played in a dynasty league, I think for just one year, I believe, and then a, a group of guys over on the football guys message board uh, about this time of year, maybe early in the. Um, in the calendar year, having a conversation about, you know, all of our dynasty leagues were dead. There was no trading. There's no, you know, people are not checking in, things like that. And this gripe fest really turned into an idea of, hey, here we are. There's, you know, there's 10 or 12 of us here. Let's form a league that is going to be active year round. So we we put this group together and people started tossing around rules and, and suggestions, settings and things like that. And Finally, somebody said, you know, we need a commissioner. And I'm I'm not really sure what it was that made me think that that was a good idea at that point with, with just one or two years of, of dynasty experience, fantasy football experience in general. But I volunteered. Everybody else 
supported that. So that was the first hyperactive league. Well, um, I think the entire uh, fantasy industry is happy that you uh, took on that task just two years into playing fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, and it worked out. We had um, we ended up with um, a lot of great guys in that league, and that league is still going now. Um, you know, ten or twelve years later, whatever it might be. Uh, and then from that, there were other hyperactive leagues that that were formed. But really, just since that time, I've been you know continually making new leagues and and coming up with some pretty weird and challenging ideas. That's really impressive that one of your very first leagues commissioning was something as as interesting as hyperactive. <laughs> I I started in 1992. It was my first my first league was the Dynasty League as well and that my that was my first year playing fantasy football and I I took over the commission duties pro- mostly probably because I was the oldest of all the kids that were doing it. It was TD-only. It was touchdown-only. <laughs> that's that's how boring it was. I mean, uh, the entire first round was quarterbacks. The entire second round pretty much was running backs like Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders and stuff. There, Jerry Rice was in there. But, yeah, that's that's impressive that your first league actually had interesting rules and, and good people. I'm impressed. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. A, a, a friend of mine that I had met on – you know, some website, I might've been football guys as well. He had his own league that he was commissioner of. So I borrowed some of those ideas, took some of the ideas from, from that group. And uh, we ended up with a total of 24 owners. So we had two 12 team leagues, which has kind of become one of the staples of some of the hyperactive leagues and some of my other leagues as well. But yeah, I feel like we had some pretty unique settings and and rules in that league. I, I came up with the idea of the toilet bowl would award the an additional first round pick so the 113 that supplemental pick uh, that started you know all those years ago in that hyperactive league i don't you know maybe somebody was doing that before i'm sure there was right there there was somewhere out there but i give you credit for that i i look at that kind of like the debbie thing with me i i started doing debbie in 99 there's it's possible it was out there before but uh it wasn't really in the industry too much or at all um, I give I give you full credit for bringing up that rule. That's that's such a good rule, and so many leagues. I, I talk to people on Twitter that absolutely love that rule. When you when you started commissioning hyperactive, would you would you say you had quite a learning curve uh, as far as being a commissioner? Oh, absolutely. I just I remember. I mean, in, in general, in in everyday life, and in and certainly with when it comes to fantasy football too, I'm I'm a people pleaser. So I want you know I want everybody to to be happy. I want I want to do whatever it takes to you know to try, try to keep everybody engaged and, mm-hmm. and and happy in the league. So yeah, early in that commissioning experience with Hyperactive, it was. Uh, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of votes and, and everybody's going to, you know, we're going to do polls and we're going to decide on every single rule and every single nuance. And and I pretty quickly learned you can't do that. You know, you can't break it down, you know, to such small details. And and that at some point the commissioner just has to make the decision that's best for the league. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I've seen pop up when anytime that you're having discussions about being a commissioner is, how do you make decisions and, you know, consider your team or your own interest as well as the interest of the league. And, you know, that's for me, uh, that's just never been a problem. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm always making the right decision. I'm certainly not going to always make everybody happy, but I am going to make the decision that I think is best for the entire league. 
Yep, absolutely. It's that's I think one of the biggest rules of being a commissioner is is trying to make decisions that are in the best interest of the league and just completely ignoring what your team is. Along those lines, when you're as a commissioner, what percentage would you say is executive decision or even dictatorship, and what percentage is hey I should uh, I should put this to a vote, and are there specific specific rules types of rules that you think should be be to votes? Here, let, for example, I'll I'll throw mine out there first. I pr- I think I probably rule with a seventy to eighty percent executive decision, and maybe twenty twenty to thirty percent votes. And the votes are almost always just for things like switching to superflex or adding a flex. Adding a flex is even iffy, but adding like tight end premium or something—something something that affects the way someone has built their roster—I feel like needs to be voted on. But other than that, other than stuff like that, a lot of things I think can be executive decision in the best interest of the league because otherwise, every team is just going to vote for what's best for their team. Yeah, I agree. Um... I do. I mean, I do think those those things like scoring and and lineups. You know, in in the hyperactive leagues in the past couple of years, we we added a starter, a flex starter. We removed the kicker position two or three years ago. You know, when that kind of started gaining popularity to to not use that kicker. So those were things we voted on, yep. and, and the majority were on board with that. But some things, I don't know, I guess I just make that decision that some things are just simply not worth voting on. Right. Uh, I'm not going to bother 23 other people in the league or, or 11 other people, whatever whatever it may be, you know, to even take the time to vote on this. It's, it's again, I'm just making the best decision for the league. Yep. It, it's quicker. It's easier. Most of the people are probably going to be on board with it anyway. And I, something I've learned over the years of commissioning, and especially in a league like my – I have one dynasty that's 11 years in and even the original dynasty league that's now keeper from 1992 that's still going. I've learned that little rules like that that you make executive decisions on it's just a blip. Once the decision is made a year passes or two people don't even remember that that instance anymore. It's it's not even an issue. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. Also along that lines is every one of my leagues, I put in a rule basically for that that best interest of the league thing just to close off some loopholes. I call it my best interest clause, and I, I'm pretty sure you have one too as, as well, Ryan. And I'm just I putting it out there for other commissioners to realize, hey, you might want to have this. Uh, mine says, should circumstances, issues, or problems arise for which a remedy is not stated in the rules or bylaws, the commissioner reserves the right to take whatever actions he deems necessary in the best interest of the league. I believe that something like that, a best interest clause that allows you to make an executive decision on something that isn't in the bylaws, uh, is almost imperative, just so just so that uh, an owner that's upset in your league can't try to cause an issue. You can be like, hey, this is what's in the best interest of the league. I'm making this decision here. Yeah, I think that's that's a great rule to have. I don't really have one necessarily exactly like that, but I may I may steal that as <laughs> as so many others have done with your you know with your league ideas and your rules and things like that because it is important just to I guess just to cover yourself you know I mean yeah it's it's fantasy football it's a game we're all trying to have fun but people are also spending money on this and and anytime people are are putting money uh, towards something there can be hurt feelings or there can be uh, people you know, situations where people get upset. So I will say those kind of things have really diminished over 
you know, over the years. So early in my time as a commissioner, those things seem to happen all the time. And, and, and maybe I just remember those again, because I was trying to keep everybody happy, but you know, anymore there, those things just are very rare. And, and maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe I'm just used to the, you know, those situations or uh, whatever, but it's kind of been smooth sailing. I, I feel like I should knock on wood or something, but there's, there really haven't been any major problems the past couple of years. I know this is probably going to come off as a compliment to you, but I think you're, I think also, cause I've heard, you know, sob stories from other commissioners talking to people at work and stuff like that. I think with a guy like you, or even, even me in my leagues, the league owners tend to not question us as much anymore. You know, like uh, a guy like you, the leagues you run, your reputation as a commissioner, I think the league owners, you know, aren't, aren't probably going to push, push a boundary or as much, or they're not going to try to cause an issue as much because they, they know you're doing what's best for the league. I think, I think that's it. And, and I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, being a fantasy football writer or, Um, hosting a podcast or any of that stuff. I think it just has to do with, you know, the reputation we've built up and, and so many other good commissioners have built up in, in their own leagues and and within their circles that, you know, you are, you are going to do your best to, to make those good choices and good decisions. And, uh, you know, as, as the owners in the league see that, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to cause a stir really. Yep. That, that's, that's kind of what I meant. I, I probably phrased it poorly. Well, I think we'll just move on to an area where people do tend to have problems with, and that's tanking. A lot of people don't like tanking. A lot of, a lot of leagues have rules against tanking. Uh, some leagues don't have rules against tanking, but it's kind of an unwritten thing. Hey, don't tank. What are, what's your view on tanking, Ryan? What, what do you consider tanking? That's, you know, I mean, we could do the the whole show on tanking. We're really good. We're um, really good. So it's it's certainly a touchy subject. It's been a hot topic lately as it is every year at the end of the season. Um, you, you know, some teams are clearly not going to make the playoffs and they want to do whatever they need to do and whatever they can do to improve their team. And in their eyes, that means maybe getting a higher draft pick next year and and losing on purpose. So I, it seems like I've been in a lot of conversations about tanking in the past month or so. I have seen some people define tanking as stringently as trading away veteran players for draft picks or Oof. for young players. I certainly don't think that's tanking. No. <laughs> you know, even if even if you're giving a discount, you know, if you're selling Frank Gore for a high third. I don't think that's tanking. You know, maybe you didn't get the best value, whatever, but it's certainly not tanking. To me, so I, I think about the Supreme Court ruling around these obscenity and these these pornography cases yeah. that were years and years ago. And and so Justice Stewart basically says, I don't know that I can define it, but I know it when I see it. Yep. And that's kind of always been my thought process on tanking. I'm not going to, you know, for my leagues and in my rules, I'm not going to lay out a hundred different scenarios that could be tanking, but I know it when I see it. And so, yeah, we have a rule that, that you cannot tank. And, you know, if you're starting players on buy, I think that's, I don't think that's always necessarily tanking because it could be an oversight. It could be some other things, but um, if you're late, if it's late in the season, that could certainly be an example of ways you could tank starting injured players. 
benching those obvious those obvious uh, starters when they should be in your lineup. Yeah, I I've, I've really come around on tanking due to discussions with lots of lots of people uh, from Steve Wyremski to uh, Nick Whalen and Eric Dickens and and uh, oh, man, I'm blanking on uh, some of the other people, but I know Dwayne I've, Brown had some good good comments on it. Dwayne Brown, yeah, I believe that uh, Andy Miley as well was uh, in on one of those discussions. But anyway, I have gotten to the point over the last year or so where I care so much less about it. I, I feel like I feel like I, someone said, as long as you have a helmet on and you're in the game, uh, you can start them as long as they're not on buy or injured. And I kind of get that. If, if, you're doing, if you're completely out of it and you're in a position where you're like, I need to, I need to get draft picks – I'm not going to be upset about about you doing that anymore. And I used to be just completely against that. I I don't know that I've I've seen too many instances of tanking in my leagues. Kind of like collusion. I don't know that. I think I've only seen it once, and we weren't even sure if it was collusion. But uh, have you seen a lot of tanking? I I personally I'm almost not even against it anymore, just because you're doing what it takes to help your team. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat, I guess. I I'm starting to question what's really wrong with it. So, and, and you know, maybe it's maybe it's one of those rules that we have just because we've always had it. Um, oh, that's an interesting point. So, I, I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm I'm kind of with you that and I don't know that I'm ready to eliminate the rule in my leagues or to right. just just flat out allow it. But uh, I'm I'm certainly uh, closer to the middle than than I was before. I guess I've seen a few cases, you know, and, and I actually wrote for DLF um, a, a couple weeks ago about what I call subtle tanking. And to me, subtle tanking, or, or what I've defined as subtle tanking, is making those lineup decisions basically the opposite of what you would make if you were contending. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a tough lineup decision, and and we all have them every week. But if you're trying to decide between Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, you know, those two guys are probably always close. Taking the guy who has the bad matchup, mm. who has, you know, taking the guy who's only thrown one touchdown in the past four games, that's subtle tanking. You know, if you're starting that guy, when everything, all the other data, all the other information says you should start Rivers and you're starting Eli, that's subtle tanking. And yep. I don't think anybody would call you on it because it, because it is so subtle. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you play in a league with defense or kicker, a lot of people stream those. You're looking for the best matchups every week. If you just stop streaming and you just ride that, you know, whatever, whatever defense and kicker you might have that's middle of the pack, that's subtle tanking to me. And again, you know, where does that land on the spectrum? Is that okay? You know, I've, I've done that myself to – you know, in situations where I was out of the playoff hunt and, and I wanted to at least make it appear that I was still giving my best effort and, and trying to win the game. But that's, you know, that's not what I really wanted. Right, exactly. Before we move on, I have a specific example. It looked like you wanted to say something, though. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to, I don't know, I want to talk a little bit more about that. I guess the main argument against tanking is... Benefiting you know, get, other teams? Right, benefiting other teams. So if you get to that... 
late point in the season and I've, I've got a team that's, you know, well below 500, I'm not going to make the playoffs. And I just start all scrubs and injured players and guys on by, and I give you that easy win. That's, you know, the, the argument is that's not fair to the guy I played in week one when I was right. starting my best lineup or week two or, or so on. So, you know, that's, that's the argument against it. So yep. how would you, as, as you've moved to a more liberal place with this, how would you defend that or answer that? I was just going to say, yep, that's the one argument that I don't know that I can defend. I don't, I don't like that still, even though I'm, I've come to this place where I'm, I'm accepting of that. I can't defend it. I can't defend the helping to benefiting of those teams that, you know, that they would have gotten a tougher matchup in week one or an easier matchup in week 13, whatever. I can't defend that. My, my only thing would be to say, I guess that them's the breaks, <laughs> you know, I, I can't defend it though. And I am still not, I'm just not a huge fan of that. I think an interesting point, I believe Eric Dickens brought it up with me when I was mentioning this is I say that I'm, you know, on this, on this path of, of that. But when it comes down to it, I still put in my best lineup every week. And so maybe that says a little bit about how I truly feel about it. Right. You know, yeah. that I, I'm not willing to do it because I'm going to give you this specific example. And this, in this example, I'll, I'll foreshadow or just tell you straight out. I set my best possible lineup. That's the decision I made. Cause that's just what I do. Two years ago or last year, I was, 10 and two in a league. And if I lost the final week, the top point scoring team in the league would get booted from the playoffs because they had, they had bad luck, you know, on wins losses. But if I lost my game, the team that I was playing would get in and the top point scoring team in the league by a couple hundred points would get booted. Would you tank that game to make sure that that super team does not make the playoffs? That's the situation I was in just last year. I would probably, uh, I'd probably go back to that subtle tanking. Uh, I would, <laughs> you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to do what's best for my team. Right. Which um, is, and I don't it, want to play that super team in the playoffs. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't blatantly tank because it would, right. it would likely be against the rules, but I, I would want to, and I see the strategy behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I did set my best possible lineup because, I don't know. I just did. That's just, I just do it. You know, I just set my best possible item and I lost anyway. And that team got booted from the playoffs. And then in the off season, they voted to uh, get a team, the top point scoring team into the playoffs at the last seed. Like you probably should in your leagues in 2016, yeah. but uh, that, that was the situation that happened. So uh, I just wanted to see if you would have, set your best lineup or you would have, yeah, like you said, subtly tanked possibly. Uh, it was an interesting situation. Also talking about end of season stuff here. How do you handle a team that disappears? Let's say this team disappeared four weeks ago and has had a guy injured in his lineup and stuff. And you don't notice it for three weeks or four weeks or two weeks or whatever. Um, how do you handle that team? It, let's, let's say in this instance, you can't get a hold of them. Do you, start or let's say you get a hold of them and they're they're okay about it uh how do how do you deal with that team you know i guess I, i've had kind of some different experiences as a commissioner and i commission i don't know probably a dozen leagues that i also play in including the hyperactive leagues and kitchen sink leagues and some others um, but then i also run a, another set of hyperactive leagues 
there's actually 26 of them that I, I do as a commish service. So I don't play in any of those leagues. I do get a, a small kickback, very, very, very small. You know, in most of those leagues, for the most part, I, I don't know the, you know, the people that are playing in them. I haven't really formed any relationships through those leagues. And I would say I would handle it differently in, in those leagues than I would in leagues that I also play in where I've, you know, I'm talking trade and I'm uh, interacting with, with these people all the time. If it's those commission service leagues that I don't really know these people and somebody, you know, if somebody hasn't logged in in 50 days, then, then that's it. They're out. Um, and if I can get a hold of them and give them a refund, I'll do that. If not, then I'm just going to replace them and move on. And, and I've had it both ways. You know, to this day, I'm not even sure what has happened to these people. Hopefully it's it's nothing serious. Hopefully they just gave up fantasy football or, or whatever. I've had to replace people and still don't know what, what happened to those guys. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you on pretty much all of that. That's exactly how I do it. I'm if I don't if I don't know them too well, I have no problem, you know, just replacing them, especially in, in a league like SFB. I'm I have no problem replacing people at at a moment's notice almost. Um I kind of phrased the question poorly at, at the onset, but that's good information as well. What I was more looking at is I, I heard this question on Twitter, and I believe one of the emails was concerning this, and I had this in one of my leagues, is a person was gone, a person disappeared, and they, they hadn't set a lineup for three weeks, and then there's a week or two left. Do you set the lineup for that person, or do you just let it end? Do you just let it play out? I would I would set the lineup. Um, okay. I would not. I wouldn't go back two or three weeks and set lineups. Right. You know, hopefully, hopefully I would have caught something like that. Uh, but you know, running forty leagues, unfortunately, I, there's times I don't. And you know, I get emails from people in the league saying so and so didn't set a lineup last week. And I always appreciate, you know, that that helping hand and and that heads up from those those folks. Yeah, and no to to everyone listening, commissioners love that. You're not bothering us when you mention stuff like that to us. We actually really do appreciate the hand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when I get those kind types of messages, or or hopefully I just do notice myself, then I you know I can be proactive about it and you know reach out to that person. But in the end, I'm you know I'm going to do my best to have a lineup out there for every team. Yeah, I'm the I'm the same way. In one of these instances that uh, I read, they felt it unfair to the the team for the last few weeks that the last couple teams had easy wins, so they they thought that they should not set a lineup. And I understand that argument. It's just I, I'm the same way as you. I would set the lineup. You know, uh, I I definitely agree with that. So now we've come to the end of the season, <laughs> talking about. Uh, you know, end of the season tanking, lineups, etc. cetera. Uh, this is always a hotly contested thing. And honestly, I think between me and you, we probably won't spend much time talking about this at all. Uh, <laughs> trades and waivers, trade deadlines, waivers during playoffs, stuff like that. Uh, what, what's your viewpoint as a commission for, for trade deadlines? You, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard you say several times that you're, you're pretty against them. My leagues, my leagues do use trade deadlines. So I'm, I'm maybe, not against- I, maybe I was thinking of someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not against them. 
certainly but at the same time i you know i could be convinced and that's actually one of those things that we have put up um for a vote in in my leagues in recent years and they've not passed so that that rule has not been changed we do use trade deadlines still i think week 11 is is our trade deadline i do play in leagues that don't use a trade deadline though and uh and you know that's that's fine with me as well i can see merits both ways so I don't know that I'm much help because I don't have a super strong opinion on this. Uh, I know I do know some people have a problem with, you know, a team getting to the semifinals or finals week of of the league and and then going and buying a player, buying a championship, you might call it. But you know, if if, if it's a fair trade for both sides, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I can I can easily make a argument again trading in the playoffs with examples uh, from my past uh, but I I am a firm I'm not a super firm believer but I I don't think that you should be allowed to do trades or waivers in the playoffs because teams out of it and teams in it are so drastically different in what they're what they're trying to accomplish at that point uh, you know one's playing definitely for the future and one and the others are trying to absolutely win now. I have gotten into so many arms races at the ends of seasons and in the playoffs. One year, me and another guy were going to play in the championship game, and the trades that week were unreal, and I completely crippled my future drafts just trying to win. And I did win, <laughs> but at what cost, man? At what cost? So I like to – you will still get those arms races, but at least – they're not as uh, ridiculous uh, if you cut it off right before the playoffs, I've found. I see that for sure with trades. And, and I mean, I think that's, you know, I think there are a lot of arguments against trades during the playoffs. But my leagues have waivers 52 weeks a year, right. every week on Wednesday during the season, every week on Friday during the off season. our blind bid waivers are running. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see any reason not to do that. And uh, honestly, I'm not against, I'm not as against waivers. I kind of like the old school kind of baseball mentality of this is your playoff roster, you know, make it work and then start waivers up right after. But I, I'm fine with leagues that do waivers during, I, I totally get that. I'm, that's not a firm thing for me. The trades during the playoffs is something that I've grown to hate, but I, I totally get that, Ryan. Yeah. So I've, you know, I've got teams that, uh, once I lose, I'm dropping, you know, I'm dropping veterans that might be useful to other teams. I'm dropping mm -hmm. my defenses almost no matter what. Uh, I, I did lose in one league uh, the week before last. I've got the Seattle defense, and uh, I, I've, I'm still holding on to them. But, you know, if somebody pops up on the waiver wire, a decent young prospect, I'd drop the Seattle defense, and some playoff team is probably going to grab them. and. That's fine right. with me. Um, yep. You know, if they've got, if they've saved up the blind bid money or if they, you know, or even if they're the fastest one to the, you know, to the waiver wire and first come first serve, that's, that's part of it. Gotcha. I, don't, I don't really have a problem <laughs> with that. You know, what, what'd you say earlier? Them's the brakes. Yeah. Them's the brakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I believe Izzy Elkafus uh, brought that up in the DLF chat that uh a team in his league in the playoffs dropped Jason Witten 
you know, going after some future prospect or whatever. I, I don't know the exact scenario, but Witten can help a team right now. So that is a little bit of something I try to avoid, I guess, when I do the bring your playoff roster in. I can see how that, that just adds fun. I think a lot of things like this uh, aren't flaws in a league. They're just, you know, quirks, you know? Like that's that's just a fun little quirk that you'll be able to maybe pick up a veteran that a, a non-contender dropped. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Scott, you and I agree on a lot. We agree on the majority of things when it comes to running leagues, I would say. Um, but this example is just one of those that, you know, no matter what we talk about on here, no matter what works for, you know, for this league or that league, there's always so many ways to do things. And I think with 99% of the things in fantasy football, there is no right or wrong. Right. You know, it's, it, it's what works for you. It's what works for your league and your group of 10 or 12 or 24 owners or whatever the case might be, or what is it? 360 owners, whatever, <laughs> whatever the case might be. But, you know, just because I say, you should have waivers year round. Doesn't mean every league should go out and do that. Or, or if you say tanking's not, you know, there is no tanking and let everybody tank if they want to. That doesn't mean every league should do that. That's right. You know, just <laughs> our opinion and, and what works for, for our leagues at this point. Yep. Yep. Definitely find the settings that you enjoy playing with the most and uh, it, it'll work out, especially if the owners uh, buy in the, the owners like those settings too. You're all good. We're just uh, we're just bringing bringing some examples and our thoughts on some of these things to you. Now we're in the playoffs. <laughs> we're kind of going through the year. I I didn't realize this when I put up, put up the agenda, but it kind of goes from end of season into the playoffs here. Uh, I know that you have you have your way of setting up playoffs. I have I have a few different ways I utilize. Um, what's your favorite way to set up the seeds of a playoffs? what I've done with my recent leagues is we actually use victory points, which is a setting on, on my fantasy league. And I know this is another one of the spots where we, we disagree. For those of you who might not be familiar with victory points, basically it, it takes into account wins and losses and uh, how you scored that week to assign, uh, assign points to each team. So you can finish in the top, you know, there's different ways to set it up, but in my leagues, you can finish in the top third in scoring middle, third or I, I think that's pretty standard top third middle third bottom third yeah that's <laughs> it um so you can finish you know in in any of those groups and if you finish in the top you're getting two points in the middle you're getting one in the bottom you're getting zero and then you get points for each win as well so i like that because you know we've we've seen those hard luck losses every week the second highest scoring team plays the highest scoring team and they get nothing out of that week except a, a tough loss with victory points, you at least get you get some credit for a nice scoring week, even if you did, even if you did lose. So, with victory points, we basically just go straight down the line with the top six teams according to that. That's uh, that's what I've used in my more recent leagues. That's been working pretty well. Oh, okay. I, I for some reason I thought that you had uh, a league that did like top record, top points, top victory points, uh, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I play in um, Jarrett Behar, who um, a writer with us over at DLF and, and has his own podcast and things. He runs a, a trio of leagues, label leagues, I call them, blue label, gold label, and green label. And he has kind of that unique setup. So the top seed 
uh, top seed overall is the highest scorer in the league. And then the second seed is the best record of, you know, beyond that. And then it kind of alternates of top points, best record all the way down through, through six teams. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That both, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of victory points, but once again, this is another area where it's, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. And, uh, it, you're right. It does. It does avoid those bad beat, bad beat losses a, a little more. It's. I can see the merits in victory points. Don't get me wrong. I just. I just choose a few other ways. I set up a lot of my playoffs. Top record gets a buy. Top points gets a buy. Then two teams on record. Two teams on buy. And honestly, I've. Uh, I've done. I did a league in victory points uh, a couple of years ago, and with my method straight win loss method points method or victory points i think the top six almost almost in every method would have been the same so i i think we're this is one of those areas where if you really have your uh like hands in the dirt or whatever the phrase is uh it's really splitting hairs i think it's fair to bring in something with ryan's method or something with uh half points half record or even if you do it the old-fashioned way, at least make that last playoff spot based on points, so that the a really good team doesn't get screwed out, screwed <laughs> screwed out of the playoffs. Yeah. Now, most of my, you know, all the hyperactive leagues do use that. So the top five seeds are according to record, just according to win losses in the standings, and then that sixth seed is the highest scoring team of the remaining seven teams, and and sometimes that's the sixth place team in the standings. A lot of times it is, but a lot of times it's one of those teams that in a typical league might not have made the playoffs. So that's, that's worked pretty well. And, and I've seen some teams even going to a top four, according to record and then five and six are both on points that yep. same, same idea that would work well. Yeah. I, I really do enjoy that. And you will see those four and nine teams squeak in on a points even more often when you do two and definitely more often when you do three on points, really any way you decide to set up your playoffs, it's good. Let's do a callback to earlier. The way you set up your playoffs, the way you seed your playoffs, let's say you, most dynasty leagues are probably pretty standard out there uh, for the, you know, wins, loss, whatever is adding a point spot. Uh, something you think a commissioner can exe- make an executive decision about or something you should vote on. That's a tough um, one, right? I, mean, I, I think that's on the edge. Yeah, I do too. I think that could go either way because I don't um, – now, I mean, it, obviously it would have to be a timely decision. You know, that I think that goes without Yeah, without this saying. Is, this that, is an off-season call this, or exactly. before the season starts call, definitely. Exactly. But, I, you know, you're not – you're affecting teams, but you're not affecting specific teams. You know, somebody's going to be that sixth place in the standings that might get bumped. But I think the things you have to vote on, like you said earlier, those things that affect how, how teams have, or how owners have built their teams. Right. If you're going, if you're going to super flex, that's a huge deal. If you are adding a, a running back starter, that's, that would be a big deal to all of my teams. You know, those are things you want to vote on and, and, Sometimes I would say things you don't even want to change at all, even with with or without a vote. vote. But yeah, with this one, yeah, I think it it could go either way. I'd be I'd be fine making that decision um, 
you know, on my own without a vote. Right. Yeah, I'd say for me, this does not affect how a team has constructed their team or how their team has gone about trades or waivers at all because a team is looking to score points. They're looking to win games. I don't think that affects anything. So this is a decision I would probably make on my own. The unfortunate thing is that I do have uh, two leagues in which we have set a precedent over the better part of a decade that we vote on everything. <laughs> in a league like that, you gotta you gotta keep with keep with tradition. You can't just switch to being an executive decision kind of commissioner. But uh, yeah, this this is a situation that for me, I probably would just make the decision in most leagues. Now let's uh, let's let's just jump one more step. This came up today on Twitter. It came up in chat rooms. It's it's fun how it made its way right into the show. How do you feel about seeding, reseeding playoffs in the second round? I know you have a specific method that you do when, when it comes to seeds. Yeah, I, I reseed. So, um, you know, in, in a typical six-team playoff, the, the three-team plays the six in the first round, the four and the five play, and then that first, the top seed gets the honor of playing the uh, the lowest remaining seed. So if, if the six seed pulls the upset and advance, advances, then uh, he gets the one seed. So it is a bit of, you know, it's, it's a bit of work on, on MFL, on MFL, on my yep, fantasy league to is. go in there and, and adjust that. And, you know, it's, it, it's again, it's one of those things that I just have always done it. I think if I made that, uh, that executive decision that we're not reseeding, reseeding anymore, same same exact conversation. It's it's going to affect some teams, uh, not one or two specific teams. <laughs> and I don't I don't think too many teams would care, honestly, if if you made that decision. Maybe the one seed would care. I I have seen, and I thought this was one of your leagues, but maybe not. But uh, where the the top seed or the seeds get to choose their opponent going down the line, in starting the second round. Yeah, we did that. So I started a league called Dirty Dozen years and years ago. And this is, I guess this is when I kind of got into trying out some some new league ideas. I had never done an auction league at all. And I wanted, and, you know, one off season for whatever reason, that just kind of struck me. And, and that's what I wanted to try. And everything, you know, I started doing my research and looking at some existing auction leagues that I'd found and trying to come up with a good rule set. And everything I found had the startup auction. And then after that, they never had another auction. They had rookie drafts, which which just made no sense to me. That is really um, weird. You know, I thought if, if it's an auction league, then you have an auction every year, you know, and, and maybe you even have more than one auction every year. So because I couldn't find a league to join that kind of fit what I wanted, I just made my own. Um, so that was, uh, that was the, the dirty dozen dynasty league, which I've, I've written about that league on, on DLF years ago as well. But I decided if I'm, you know, if I'm going to start this new league with this rookie auction, the, uh, again, the first one I can find, there probably was probably were some out there, but it was the first one that I know of, at least if I'm going to start this, I'm going to do some other things too. So we did double headers, which obviously is, was not something I came up with, but it was something that I had never done in my leagues. So we played weekly double headers. And, uh, and then once we got to the playoffs, one, 
wrinkle that we added was that you got to choose your playoff opponent. So the highest seed of each round. So in the first round, the three seed got to choose their playoff opponent. And then uh, beyond that, the first seed or, or whoever was the highest seed remaining got to, you know, got to make their choice as well. It worked pretty well, you know, kind of like some of the other things we've talked about. I would say it didn't really end up making much of a difference. Yeah. And it's one of those, it's one of those rules that just kind of faded away. Like I think one year I totally forgot to even do it and nobody even said anything. So, and then that was just kind of the beginning of the end. So it's a unique rule. It's, you know, it, it adds a little, you know, gamesmanship, I guess, to the playoffs. You know, if you're call, if you're choosing your, your opponent, you know, that's kind of like calling somebody out. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in one league, again, going back to our buddy Jarrett, I was the three seed in one of his label leagues this week. I got to choose my opponent, and and I did that, and I promptly got beat. As the, uh, <laughs> not, and, and not only did I get beat, but I was outscored by all three other teams. So I, 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 there was no right decision to make. It was Well, that's, there's some solace in that at least, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. If, if the other two teams had been worse than you, I mean, that, you just picked the wrong guy. Right, right. I made the best decision. It just it still didn't result in a win. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that is funny. That's, uh, that is definitely uh, – a way that you could go about seeding your playoffs. I uh, I used to recede. Uh, as you know, it's not the default in MFL. It takes a little bit more work. And in two of my dynasty leagues a few years ago, we just stopped reseeding. I, we, I just stopped doing it and no one noticed. The exact same thing that uh, your Dirty Dozen leagues. It, it doesn't really – you're right. It, it really just – to me, it doesn't make a huge difference. Maybe it would have. Maybe it a few teams would have advanced that hadn't, but uh, I really don't think it's a big deal. And I made this point on Twitter earlier. If you're in a league with buys, I honestly feel the one and two seeds get a huge advantage by getting that first round buy already that them being able to pick who they play in the second round is just not a big deal to me. You know, I, I feel like a buy is a bigger advantage than, than calling out or deciding who you want to play. You know, I think, and I've I've certainly been guilty of this in some of my leagues, but sometimes we or sometimes commissioners come up with with crazy rules just for the sake of having crazy rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, and, definitely. You know, kind of like a boutiquey thing, like oh nobody else is doing this, um, or this is you know this is exclusive or or something like that. And some you know those those can be really cool and fun and whatever else, but sometimes it's you know, it doesn't add anything to the league. And I think, I think that's what I found with, you know, with that specific rule of choosing your playoff opponent. It just didn't, it didn't add anything. The owners in my league obviously didn't really care about it because they didn't, you know, they didn't even remember when I forgot, they didn't remember themselves. So those are things that you can kind of weed out that, you know, you don't have to have all these wild rules just to have them. Yeah, yeah, that's sometimes simpler is better, and and sometimes it really just depends on the owners. Uh, we'll we will talk about this week after week, I'm sure, on this podcast. But you know, a commissioner can do so much to make a league fun and enjoyable, but it's it's really the owners that make a league really enjoyable. The how they interact, how they how much they buy into the league. For example. I have rivalries in a few leagues. Two of my leagues, they're huge hits. I would say they're, you know, at least huge hits. They seem to be. There's a lot of chatter about them. One league, they don't seem to care at all. 
So some, sometimes the rule just isn't meant for a certain league, even though it seems fun. And like you said, like one of those uh, just interesting rules, sometimes it's just, it just doesn't work in some leagues. And don't be afraid to uh, get rid of a rule like that and, and just move on and admit that it, it didn't work. There's one, th- one more thing I want to talk to you about. The, you had a tie in decimal scoring. I did. Yeah, I was setting a- unreal. <laughs> setting the playoffs a couple weeks ago or, or a week ago. And uh, in one of my leagues, it got to that sixth seed, which which is the point spot. And the two teams scored the exact same amount of points down to the hundredth, down to the hundredth I guess, the two, two decimal places. I've never seen um, that. That's unreal. So, you know, that's just, uh, I mean, even as a commissioner for – for 10 years or, or whatever the number is. I need, I need to count and figure out <laughs> what that is. But, you know, even even as a longtime commissioner, I never had seen that. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't covered in my rules. Our, you know, our first tie break was um, total record and our second tie break was was total points. So for the for the point spot, really, the points were all that mattered. And I just had to make that that gut call, that uh, executive decision. And these two teams did have different records. One, um, one had a winning record, and and one did not. So, I went with the the team that had you know the the better record. And honestly, nobody else, nobody said a word about it. And in fact, I'm if I had noticed it, I'm, I don't know that anything ever would have been said of it about it. That's interesting that the 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 two teams involved. You think they would have been a little more uh, uppity about it, but uh, once again. When you have a good commissioner, you just sometimes you just say, "Yep, this I see what the commissioner did here. It, it was total points. We were tied. He gave it to the wins. I get it." I will say I had a tie uh, like that for a playoff spot years and years ago, uh, and what we did, and it wasn't decimal scoring. Now <laughs> this is years and years ago. What we did was we had all three teams play in one advance, which is it's. I mean. That's how we decided. I am like you, though. Uh, don't feel bad about not having any more tiebreakers than that because a lot of my leagues, win-loss, total points, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's you generally, With decimal scoring, you just it feels like overkill. I just didn't think, don't think you need more than that. That's impressive that it actually came down to that. that we're not talking about a single game decimal scoring. We're talking about for the season tied in decimal <laughs> to the hundredth. That's unreal. Amazing. Right. Over over 13 games, they had the exact same <sighs> amount of points. Gosh, I, I have, that's, that is crazy. Well, I suppose, uh, I suppose we're winding down the show now. looks like we're about 57 minutes in. So uh, let's go to one of the emails. We got a bunch of emails. Gosh, uh, Ryan, isn't it just I'm just so impressed by all the Twitter support and the emails and the people just, oh, they've been so positive. It's so nice about this, this podcast, the, just the potential of this podcast. I, I can't say enough good words. Yeah. Same, same here. They, uh, it's been great to see, I mean, so much feedback and so many ideas and, you know, certainly things that I hadn't even thought of myself that would be interesting topics, but I'm, you know, I'm glad to share my thoughts on and my experiences with. So yeah, I'm, you know, we're going to do, this is, I think our plan is for this to be an off-season only podcast. Uh, originally, we had talked about doing, you know, maybe three or four during the off-season and, and we got so much feedback, so much support already, uh, even before this first episode. 
and and so many ideas for for topics that I think we're, we're we might have to do a couple shows a month rather than uh, just a handful of shows the entire off season. So that's yeah. that's a good thing though. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a really good problem to have, and a really uh, great situation for us is we basically don't have to plan the first four or five, six episodes because you guys did that for us with your your comments. You had so many amazing ideas. I do want to get to uh, at least one email in this first episode. It comes from a guy by the name of Anthony. Basically, I'm going to paraphrase here. Uh, him and him and a co his co-commish got tired of a lack of interaction. Uh, from league members, uh, you know, lack of direction, le empty board posts, stuff like that. So they went around and got like the best owners they could find, owners that they thought would buy in, you know, be a part of a Facebook group, do do videos each week, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, it seemed good at first, and then people aren't doing the videos like uh, he thought. They're they're not buying into the league. They're not initiating in the group chats as much as he would like. I guess my first statement on this for you, Ryan, is and and we want to help Anthony here. But my first my first thought when reading this, Ryan, weekly video chats. Do you think the commissioners are asking a little too much of their league mates, or do you think that since the the people coming in knew that they were supposed to do videos each week, should they have bought in a little more? Should should they be you know, did, did they ask for too much, basically, or or should this be fair? Probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, I mean, when you're joining a league, this, again, this should go without saying, but it, it probably doesn't for a lot of people. When you're joining a new league, the first thing you should do before you commit is is read the rules. And hopefully there's an established set of rules. And in Anthony's case, if those rules involved weekly video chats, then those those owners agreed to that for, for whatever reason now i, I don't I, I guess i would want to know i would want to know more information what's you know what's the purpose of the video chat are you talking i believe mostly trash talking okay so because you know, the video chats are are posted on facebook he says in the email i i was paraphrasing but you do embarrassing you know trash talking videos and it gets posted on facebook so your friends and family can see when you lose and stuff. Okay, that that sounds fun, but uh, I don't know if it's you know if it's something that needs to be done every week. I think maybe you know maybe Anthony needs to take a step back and look at what the priorities are for the league. You know, if those things are happening once a year, maybe around draft time, those are that's a fun time to you know to engage in that trash talk. It also for me it depends on uh, if these are people he knows. You know, if these are friends and family that he's playing in a league with and he's known these you know these guys or girls for a long time the trash talk and the facebook post that that those kind of things make a lot more sense if it's 12 random people from the internet trying to force things like that is usually not going to work very well that is that's a really great point cuz when it's people you know there's a lot of inside jokes that you can play off of when it's 12 people that said they'll be super active you don't have those same kind of things to work with. You don't have as much to work with for videos. I, another problem I, I saw in his emails that this was one of my first questions and he replied back is that it's a free league. He, he pays the dues. He chip the, the commissioner chips in for the championship trophy and the, the people in the league don't pay. I think that's, if you want people to be really involved, I, I think, I think the money involved does matter. 
I have free leagues where people are super active, but generally when you put more money on the table, people are more active. I think, I think that would definitely help. Yeah. It sounds like Anthony has kind of this ideal dynasty league in mind. And, and again, he's, I think he's trying to maybe force that I've found, you know, there's so many great places to, to find leagues. If you're active on the DLF message board, if you're active on football guys forums or really any of, you know, any site like that has these forums that, you know, build up that community or certainly on Twitter, build up that community, be active. It's so easy to, to get in a league or to, to form your own league if you build that community first. Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, that's definitely, if you, if you build those friendships first and then form the league with those friends, it's going to work a lot better. And if, if this is a league, if Anthony is content on keeping this league going and not like just calling it a day and trying to restart it with a new group of people, if some of those owners are good and it's just like say six or seven or five of the owners, if you don't know them very well, don't be afraid to get rid of them and, and keep looking for good owners and maybe have a dispersal draft, which is fun, which Ryan made up. <laughs> so <laughs> that that could bring something fun to your, to your league. But I wouldn't be afraid to get rid of those inactive owners, especially the less you know them. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, it, it doesn't feel good to do that, to kick somebody out of the league. It doesn't, but, you know, the more you do it, you, you never really get used to it, but you, you understand that it's necessary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that's not a, a, a pleasant process to go through and, um, you know, try to be kind through that as much as you can. Yes. Yeah. You're still, you know, you're, you're there to compete and build the best league you can and to have fun with, with other folks. And if, if one or two people are bringing that down for whatever reason, then, then yeah, it's time to move on. Yep. And much like a rule change, when you do get rid of an owner like that, it's just a blip on the radar. On the radar, two years later, you'll barely even you might remember it, but it's not even a big deal. It doesn't weigh on your conscience. It's you'll be fine. So, hopefully, that helped, Anthony. Ryan, I thought this uh, this was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Let's do another one sometime. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right, uh, guys. I'm Scottfish24 on Twitter. Ryan is at RyanMC23 on Twitter. Thanks for listening.